Hello Christchurch and welcome to our edition of Deeper where we look at Nehemiah chapters 8 and 9. I am so pleased today that Hetty and Tabs have joined me. Hi! Hi Stay. So pleased, so pleased. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Hetty you shared from uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 mainly but also touched on chapter 9 on Sunday. Great talk by the way. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Let's, let's kind of just go a little bit deeper with those passages. Um, I gave you two chapters, which was a bit mean of me, wasn't it, really? Well, you know, I would just feel like you're trying to train me for more. Maybe you believed believed in me. You know? So um, but let's start with you, Hattie. Is there anything more that you wanted to draw out of those passages in terms of you know, what it all meant? Yeah, I think there was a couple of things that stood out to me. Um, the first one was that the people stood up in verse five the people stood up for the reading of the scriptures and i was mm. like oh okay that is interesting and then i thought oh i'm sure different church cultures do that but i haven't really experienced it and then i remembered i had at one particular church that was quite high anglican and mm. i remember being there and um had no idea what was going on and just followed what everyone else was doing because the church culture that i came from was like the opposite yeah. But one thing that happened that I found really interesting is that there was um, like some people in robes who would walk down the center aisle holding this massive Bible. Um, and then when they got to the middle of the room, everybody turned and faced the Bible for the reading. And at first I thought it was really weird. Yeah, <laughs> and I came back and was like, it was like this, that, and the other. You, and described, really, it. Really you described it as musical theatre when you got Yeah, it was a little it was a little bit. Because yeah. like there was some sung responses and things. Yeah. And I was like, this is really yeah. strange to me. But then when I reflected on it, I was like, wow, like how much respect some people show for the word of God by standing up. And that's what they did in chapter eight. Yeah. And I kind of feel a bit like we've we've lost a bit of that. Mm. Um, and also, some people do things like that, but forget why. Um, and I think actually it's really important that we remember why we do certain things that we do. Mm. Um, so that was, yeah, I found that was interesting. But then... I guess, you know, also, I guess also that idea of if we were to forget to do that sort of thing, but forget why, then that leads to a whole other host of yeah. problems as well, though, because you... You'd kind of potentially, if you did that without really understanding why we have that respect and that reverence, then you maybe end up in the position of being like, actually, you can only read the Bible if you do all of this stuff mm. and you dance around the church in, in robes for half an hour. Like, that's the only chance you're allowed mm. to open a Bible up. Oh, and then people from outside of church would be like, well, how do we? How, how can we access the Bible? Like, how do we make yeah. this the Word of God as accessible as possible? And and that, we'll come on to that, won't we? Because that comes up later in the passage, really, about kind of making Scripture accessible. Yeah. Mm. I mean, the thing that struck me about certainly the beginning bit was, uh, and on, on kind of on what you're saying there, Hesse, is that uh, it says right at the beginning, all the people came together as one. Mm. Mm. You know, uh, and they told Ezra to bring the Bible out or the scripture yeah. out. Uh, you know, there was something there about uh, their unity and their kind of common desire to hear from God. Yeah. Uh, that kind of stands out in that first bit. You know, it wasn't right. a, this is it was, this one a top down thing. This is a bottom up. This is a people longing to hear from God. 
Yeah. Um, and they, they were united in that. Mm. I like how they, they looked at Ezra as well. It's like they, they identified him as being like, like it says in Ezra chapter seven, uh, for Ezra devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to the teachings, teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. And like they knew him for that. Mm. Um, like that would be amazing to be known for that yeah to be known as as like someone who is looked to um Mm. i mean obviously steve knows exactly how how that that feels feels. um but you know to be someone looked to as being the one to have been that place where everyone's like uh, standing up and weeping and all sorts Mm. of scriptures being read um by this guy ezra uh he's he's shared all all this stuff and he's known for this and looked upon so reverently and uh, Mm. almost like leading the people of israel through this spiritual revival um over the coming days as they rediscover Mm. their their spirituality and their their meaning and their purpose it's just like what i love about this is this is the book of nehemiah yeah yeah (laughs) nehemiah And Nehemiah is hardly mentioned in these two chapters. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, you know, I keep going on about him being a great leader. Uh, mm-hmm. That is great leadership. Yeah. He knew where his strengths and his gifting lay, and he knew where the boundaries were. Yeah, and at yeah. this point, he's like, right, you guys, you're now up front. You know, you do yeah, yeah. your thing. I've done my thing. Now it's your turn. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they, they'd already done the walls. They'd rebuilt the temple. They'd... They were all now living in nice houses in Jerusalem, but what mm-hmm. they didn't have was a life rooted in faith. Mm. And yes. I guess Nehemiah recognized that. And so yeah. he brings in the right person to do that, which is, of course, yeah. Ezra, who everyone respected as this man of God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing it also highlights, though, in what you said, that with Nehemiah being um, essentially being a layperson um, as a leader, mm. whereas uh, Ezra comes in as this kind of spiritual leader and so uh, to have this this whole whole kind of rebuilding is based around Nehemiah's leadership mm. um, actually shows just how important it is to have those those skills those mm. kind of lay skills within um, leadership of, of God's church God's people and mm. our mission mm. uh, and how as as lay people working in in the world in in non-reverent type jobs um how how important that is mm. um, and how vital that is in rebuilding southport mm. um, yeah. yeah and yeah we we folk, we'll get onto that actually in a minute i don't want to jump into <laughs> why they're too soon um anything else out of the text that you want to actually i mean let me just pick up on one thing because we talked about how they stood up for the scriptures uh, but the scriptures were read aloud Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we forget that the Bible is designed to be read aloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, every letter of Paul was read aloud in, in, in the places where they met. Uh, the book of Revelation was read aloud. It was, they were written to be read aloud. Um, and we make reading the Bible so personal, don't we? Um, that, you know, we just kind of read it to ourselves. But this is a, for these people here in uh, Jerusalem, it was a community act. Mm. Um, yeah and we need to get get that a little bit again you know that reading yeah. the scriptures is a community act that we do yeah. we do out loud I like how, the scriptures you want to bring out there sorry go 
I like how when they when they do that, when they get together and they they read aloud and they 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 explore what the scriptures are saying, they they find things together mm. that are in there and they they discover stuff and they're like, oh, we forgot about that. <laughs> Um, like the whole in, in verse uh, 14, 15, um, where they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seven month. And they should proclaim the word of the Lord and spread it through the towns in Jerusalem. And so they were like, oh, we spotted, we've spotted something that we forgot that we're meant to be doing. Mm. And so they just went out and did it. And they yeah. redis- rediscovered what was an old practice that had been forgotten yeah. uh, they really really found was great and and were like oh their joy was very great it says <laughs> um so they must have they must have enjoyed this rediscovered practice um however it strange. sound like new wine doesn't it they're all yeah. Camping yeah. Out. yeah everybody's yeah. camping yeah. out yeah. Yeah. sounds good i was gonna say it, it it sounds very very strange um considering they've just like rebuilt everything and they've got these nice places to live to all of a sudden go off and camp mm. in yeah. little huts. But again, yeah, I guess. And I think that says something, doesn't it, about what they felt their priorities were? Mm. Yeah. Like the priority was in the houses. The priority yeah. was shaping their lives around God. Yeah, yeah. That was the priority. It wasn't yeah. that they had nice things and a nice house to live in, a roof over the head for the first time, and they were living within the walls. All the things that they aspired to actually weren't the most important things. The most important thing was yeah. actually we're shaping our lives around God. And they show that even further as you move on, because like I didn't mention much about chapter nine. I just kind of said the people repented. That was kind of it. Um, but I find it really interesting that they go, they just take it that, that step further um, and they are wearing sackcloth and ashes and actually, the sackcloth is what was worn when people were mourning. But you notice at different parts of the Bible that you see that people are wearing sackcloth and ashes. For instance, like when Jonah goes to Nineveh and says, you're all going to perish. And they wear sackcloth and ashes to show that they're, they're intense repentance. But then like in Esther, it's slightly different because they put on sackcloth and ashes because the Jews have been told, you're all going to die. And they put on sackcloth and ashes for this like nationwide, like time of, ah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> nation um, time wide. <laughs> there, there was a ah. word that, that I kind of, uh, you just couldn't get hold of. Yeah, yeah disaster. I, that was the oh, word, okay. national disaster. I preferred how ah. you described it. Your <laughs> national time of, ah. ah. Um, and so I just kind of thought it was really interesting that the people put on sackcloth and ashes, that they made themselves look poor that they made themselves look humiliated. And this mm. is kind of this outward sign of what was happening inside, that their repentance was so deep that they wanted to show everyone how sorry they were and that this was like a real thing going on in their hearts. Because mm. um, like David says in Psalm thirty eleven, you turned my wailing into dancing and you removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. And that's kind of what what comes after is the the joy um yeah i just thought that was really interesting that they they went so far and actually you find that with um a lot of jews they're quite demonstrative they Mm. demonstrate a lot of things 
yeah. um, like when we went to Israel and when we went to the, the Western Wall and they, they were demonstrating, they were doing actions to show what was going on inside, which like bowing and things like that, which I thought yeah. was really interesting. I think the, the thing that struck me about the whole repentance thing is that in chapter eight, they start to mourn and to wail. And Ezra and Nehemiah say, no, no, go and, go and feast first. You know, go and celebrate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they're holding off this time of repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's only on the last day that they're allowed to really repent. So they spend a quarter of the day in repentance and worship. Uh, which, you know, when you think about how we do our confessional on Sunday, <laughs> done and dusted in two minutes, you know, yeah. uh, they spend a quarter of the day in repentance. Uh, but there was a time for the repentance and there was a time for rejoicing and celebrating. Um, yeah. And we sometimes miss that, I think, in Scripture, that there are seasons for things. Mm. Uh, and here, you know, there was uh, a whole week where they celebrated. But then on the last day, that's where they, having heard the word of God every day, mm. then brought all their confession to God. Yeah. And, and, and that must have been incredibly powerful. To have actually been in the midst of all that, as as all these thousands of people repented, mm. uh, that must be incredibly powerful. We're going to move into uh, just think about some of the application of this. Uh, so uh, let's go a bit wider. So we're now going to go a little bit wider and think about what all this means for us today. Uh, so. Uh, what do you guys see as the application here? I think one of the things that I mentioned was around restoring the spiritual practices and, you know, considering what we've just talked about. I think for us as people, there is a lot that we can think about in terms of the the history of, of Christians and, and the things that we aren't doing. Like one of the things that we know full well about but perhaps don't do enough is reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. Like biblical literacy is not great. Um, And we, we find that now when we're talking to young people in schools and they're like, Oh, I've never heard that story before. Whereas there's a certain generation that would know all of those stories. Um, And so I just think like, for me, I find that, um, like, especially at the beginning of lockdown, I was like, Oh, this is awesome because I'm going to read my Bible like really like every morning and proper get into it and I did for a while and then things started to get a bit more difficult in life and that kind of started to slip Mm -hmm. which happens with a lot of people with our spiritual practices Um, but one of the things that I find is really helpful about delving into the Bible every day is the effect it has on my mental health and that's one thing that we're looking at a lot today in society is the effect that this pandemic is having on our mental health. And I know the days that I spend time with God in the morning, reading scripture and praying, mm. I know that my day is going to be better. I know that I'm going to feel more positive yeah. and I'm going to have a better mental outlook for that day. You see that in chapter nine as well, though, because you, you see when when the, the people are led in this kind of big prayer of of what ends up in repentance they they're kind of they recount god's faithfulness um which happens a lot in scripture mm. uh, like, yeah. Yeah. So that idea of how we should 
when we when we come come to God, and particularly if it is after a time of uh, a drier time of of not feeling as connected, uh, that idea of coming before God and just not knowing quite where to start sometimes. Uh, but the example here is start with being thankful. Start mm-hmm. with counting your blessings essentially and giving God praise for that. And I, I know full well that when, for me, in terms of my mental health, that's such a powerful thing to do mm-hmm. yeah. um, in terms of just helping lift yourself out mm-hmm. of, out of like bad moods and, mm-hmm. and all sorts of things like that. Um, so I just, yeah, I think there's such a great example mm-hmm. within chapter nine of really how coming back to God and the way of doing that um is it isn't just about feeling bad um it isn't just about beating yourself up um but where like Ezra encouraged them to be joyful it's mm-hmm. like you can you can mourn later you can repent in a bit really get to grips with who this god is mm-hmm. that you're coming back to mm-hmm. um and i just think there's such an application in that for us when we're having ups and downs and and that of really mm-hmm. when we come back to god recognize who god is yeah um, and i love it when um you go to conferences in the summer because just because this is heightened um when people come to god for the first time or come back mm-hmm. to god and make a decision to follow him they they sometimes it depends on you know what what kind of event you're at but often people are like all from all over the building just walking to the front and everybody's clapping and cheering and it makes me really genuinely emotional just that moment of joy that everybody's so happy for these people making the best decision of their life Um, but sometimes we find that we maybe we don't celebrate enough especially Mm. on a smaller scale like Mm. if one person comes to follow jesus what what are we going to do how are we going to celebrate that it's important yeah I think, you know, what I I really liked about certainly what you see in chapter eight is just the people's desire to get into scripture. Yeah. You know, they they told Ezra, bring the book out. You know, we want they stood all morning, you know, Mm -hmm. listening to this. Uh, In church today, we take all this for granted, don't we? You know, and they were hearing scriptures for the first time. Um, and they were discovering that these were life-giving scriptures, and all they had was the, the first five books of the Bible, yeah. you know, the law, which most of us don't even read anymore. You know, <laughs> yeah, true. This, yeah. Was, this was such incredible stuff that they stood every day listening to these scriptures. Mm. Um, and I think we as, as Christians need to, to recapture that sense of awe and that sense of wonder at the scriptures. I mean, yeah, the New Testament now as well, you know. Yeah. And Holy Spirit, who's our teacher, our guide. Surely, these the scriptures should be opening up more for us than for these guys. There's um, some young people that have started coming to Christchurch um, that were part of part of youth and coming on a Sunday, and the conversations that has been had over lockdown because we've had some mm. conversation with them. Emily's had some amazing conversations and they've been asking such incredible questions about the Bible because this is the first time they've really delved into it, got themselves youth study Bibles and reading together and studying the Bible together. Mm. And they're like, Whoa, this is so cool because this happens and why does this happen? Yeah. And I just love that enthusiasm. And I think some of us have maybe forgotten that yeah. along mm. the way. And they're, they're, they are part of that category of young people who 
aren't from necessarily faith filled homes all the time mm. and and uh, like we we think of young people who don't know the bible very mm. well uh, most young people these days come from come from homes where their, their parents generation don't know the mm. bible all that well mm. and it might be their grandparents that are the ones that actually know mm. some of the the classic parables and things mm. uh, and so it's such a, a weird culture to communicate this mm. with it's not just a personal thing of the ups and downs of our relationship with the bible as an individual but we're, we're on a real down mm. as a, as a mm. as a nation really mm. in terms of um that more global sense of our biblical literacy and respect and reverence for the bible and um, what wisdom it has to bring mm. um, one of the things that we see in this in the middle of chapter eight particularly is how um, Ezra um, and the others explained what what they were reading to those who were gathered there in ways they could understand. Yeah. Now you have to do that probably on a daily basis, don't you, with with your work? Mm-hmm. Very quickly, how what what pointers would you give those who are watching mm-hmm. about explaining scripture and the good news in ways that people can understand today? Mm. Very quickly very quickly (laughs) yeah just throwing that one in (laughs) the first thing would be the words you use Mm. um which is kind of the the obvious first point would but sometimes you just trip up so much so often and Mm. you you use a a word that you would you would use like even like the word grace Mm. like (laughs) as an incredible thing as grace is it's it's not understood um out out of uh, the right circles Mm. um all the time and and yeah just you you find so often you're you you say a word when you're explaining something to a young person and you're like oh yeah you don't actually know what i mean by that Mm. Um, or you might have heard that word and assumed what it means like hang on, most words I hear sometimes I just assume what they mean and yeah. and it's ingrained in me that this and then I read actually oh that was oh that's what that is okay <laughs> yeah it's the words but then it's the the method as well so for us at yeah. the moment we're using YouTube to communicate with young people because young people watch YouTube mm. and what we've done in schools is young people love games. So we have an after-school club for primary school kids that is a game that explores Bible stories. Mm -hmm. Or young people love sport. And so we have youth clubs and after-school clubs that involve sport. And we think about what they say in here is making it relevant to them. We think about what is relevant to them. What do they understand before looking at what don't they understand? Mm -hmm. And we bring something that isn't understandable to them at first, like the Bible, in in a context that is understandable, sport, mm. games, YouTube, that yeah. kind of thing. Okay, then let's think about questions for these guys to uh, think through. So do you two want to start? Who wants to offer a question for people to reflect on? Um, I would say the reflection on what you can do in order to share um, the word of God in a way that people understand. So mm. I'd made mention of there are different groups of people for whom the kind of communication we would do in a sermon um, or, you know, in general life when we're just talking to each other doesn't work for those people. 
Um, and so I think it's important that if we have skills, if we have language skills, we have skills with children and young people, we have skills with people in general, um, that we really consider how we can speak the language of those people. Cool. Can um, I throw in a, a, a kind of supplementary, um, no, actually it's a question before that really. Um, as you kind of raised that, I just came to mind. Uh, my question would be, do you really understand the gospel? Mm. Because the more you understand it, the easier it is to explain it to those who don't understand it. And yeah. the easier it is to explain it in different types of ways. Yeah. Like they say, to teach is to learn twice, don't yeah. they? So I think, you know, do you truly understand the gospel mm. in a yeah. way that allows you to translate your understanding into different contexts? Yeah. I think my question would be, um, what are the spiritual practices, whether it's reading the Bible or, or older spiritual practices like fasting, meditation, mm. um, Sabbathing, um, that are, if you were, if you are in a place of coming back to God, what are they, the, those spiritual practices that you'd like to rediscover? Because yeah. um, we see different ones just in these, in these, don't we, you know, yeah, sort of, yeah. How yeah. they approach scripture, how they approach repentance, how they approach worship, practices yeah. that we've forgotten a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, I think um, uh, one question I'd want people to reflect on is, you know, chapter nine is all about the story of God's grace towards Israel, even though they kept wandering away. So my question would be, are you actually living in grace? Yeah. Uh, or do you constantly feel that God's in for you in some way? <laughs> are you are you able to keep coming back to God knowing that he is a God of forgiveness and yeah. a God of grace and able to do that in a way that you, know, you don't feel hindered in coming back to God? Yeah. So I think that'd be my question. Mm. Great. Okay, I hope you guys at home have enjoyed this. Uh, it would always be good to hear from you, so do please email in um, or if you ever see us around a church, uh, just mention what you're getting out of it or not getting out of it whatever the case may be. Hetty and Tabs, thank you for joining us today. And uh, it's been a thank pleasure you, to chat with you again. Yeah. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>